It's the TEH podcast, episode number 130. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. So how's life, Gary? Oh, you know, fine. Uh, don't know about you, but we've got our vaccination shots scheduled. I do too. How, how, how coincidental. Yeah, I, uh, I'm getting mine on Saturday. I'm getting it on Monday. So a uh, little bit behind, but, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, just thankful that uh, we, are, we were able to get on the schedule as soon as the, uh, the age range you know, reached our group, right. my, both my wife and I. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to the end by the end of April. We should be fully vaccinated. Yep. Yep. Nice. Same here. We um, it's interesting. The age range actually isn't going to change here until uh, I think it's late next week. The first I think it's the first of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, they drop it down to um, the age range that I'm actually in. Uh, I think they're going 60 and above, whereas mm-hmm. right now it's 65 and above. And uh, but but um, I actually qualify one of the th- one of the uh, criteria that they changed recently, like about a week and a half ago, was that they lowered the bar for certain types of first responders. Mm, yes, and because of my work with Wasart, I'm technically a kind of search and res- uh, search and rescue first and responder for animals. Uh, that actually they confirmed. Um, that, yep, you know, if you're deployable for us, you, you actually qualify right now. So I figured I should get in before the next wave of, um, of people are eligible. Unfortunately, though, it means that my wife will be part of that wave. So I will actually be leading her. But I figure, you know, one more person vaccinated is one more person vaccinated. Um, exactly. So. Exactly. Well, our daughter, who, of course, would her age group won't be till the, you know, till it's open for everybody. Right. She's already gotten her first shot because she works in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. As many yeah. young people do. And, you now, know, that's. Didn't she have it briefly? She did. And so, she, but she's still getting vaccinated. Yes. You're supposed to still get vaccinated. Interesting. I didn't um, realize that. Yeah. The antibody response is supposed to be significantly different. So they say, you know, definitely no difference if you had it or didn't have it. You should get, you know, your vaccine when you can. And of course, you know, uh, it is weird for us older generation to be getting ours after she gets hers. Uh, (laughs) But she does. I mean, she works in a restaurant. She comes into contact with people. I actually talked with the woman who cuts my hair, who, you know, go in and they have all these safety precautions and all that. And she was debating whether or not to get her vaccination because she's in a younger age group as well. And, And she thought, I really should let people who are older get it first. And I said, no, yep. <laughs> you, when you get your vaccination shot, it, it is partially for you, but it mainly is for all of us. Especially for someone in that role right? yes. where, they're in, where they're interfacing with so many different people. Exactly. So it's like if you have a chance under whatever the rules and regulations and everything for your area are, uh, just, you know, get it as soon as you can. Everybody, everybody just tries to get it as soon as they can. Um, you know, you go forward. You are you are doing probably more for your community by getting the shot than you are even for yourself. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. So, what yes. you want to talk about today? <laughs> well, I had a topic <laughs> in mind because today, just actually minutes before starting this recording, uh, I released a new version of an app, an app that I've had for a long time. It's one of my oldest apps. It's my most successful app. It's available for iPad and iPhone. It's a game. It's a Mahjong tile solitaire game. And the significance of this update, as opposed to all the other updates, is I have recreated the app from the game from the ground up. And I've been working on this for almost a year. 
the old app was developed using Adobe Air, right. which I was very familiar with and have been you know, an expert at for quite a while. But I decided that in order for this to future-proof this app so I can move into the future, into the next decade of development, I needed to develop it with Apple's tools using Swift and Xcode and have the latest libraries, the latest everything. So I decided to go and rewrite the game from the ground up. Now, in doing so, I tried to make this new version almost identical to the old version. But anybody that's in software development knows if you're going to switch environments, it's not going to be 100%. Good luck you know, with that. Dialogue boxes are going to look different. <laughs> buttons are going to look different. I mean, you can go and spend a lot of time and effort making things pixel perfect. But what you're going to end up with, you know, realistically, is something that's very close, but things do feel a little different. Maybe some things are faster, some things are slower, some things position themselves differently, all of this. And it's been my big fear, like when I do any uh, you know, update to an app, but it's particularly since this is a rewrite from the ground up for a popular app, um, that I'm going to get people that are going to complain and perhaps even uh, register a bad review uh, in the app store because things have changed. And people don't like change. And that's kind of the topic is change here. Something you and I deal with a lot because we uh, help people who use Mac and Windows operating systems. Um, and Mac, Mac and Windows operating systems and the hardware changes. There are new versions that come out all the time. There's updates. The apps have updates and the hardware is updates. And people, yeah, some people enjoy change. Some people, you know, are, you know, don't like change at all. And other people are, are kind of in the middle. And, and it's really made, I think, both of us very philosophical <laughs> about change. It, you know, there are certain things that uh, you can control change. Like an example would be if you like the furniture you have in your house and where it is, you could most likely control that and not have that change ever. I mean, maybe a piece of furniture breaks, or something like that, you know, but you can probably keep the furniture you have in the places you have in your house right now forever and not have to put up with any change. On the other hand, there are sometimes things out of our control that can occasionally change. Like an example would be a, uh, like you might get a new traffic light on right. a street near your home. That would be unusual. You can go years or even your lifetime without that changing, but it could happen. And if it does, there's nothing you could do about it. You could not like the change. The change happened. We literally had that happen not far from our house where an intersection with a stoplight was replaced mm -hmm. with a roundabout. There is a change not everybody agrees. Yeah, there, there you go. We've had similar things here. Roundabouts are getting popular again. Uh, but, you know, you can go and, and say you don't like it, but it's not going to change the fact that the change happened. Right. It's there um, no matter what. It's yeah. there. And there's other things, you know, that, uh, you know, that are more likely to change. Like, for instance, the restaurants and stores in your area are likely to change. Especially Restaurants now. will close. Yeah, especially yep. now. Restaurants will close. New ones will open. Menus and restaurants will change. Stores will change. All of that. That's not likely to stay the same at all. As a matter of fact, you uh, should really think about the fact that that stuff is going to change. And, you know, that's where kind of software goes into the next level. It's like that. The software is going to change. There's going to be a next version of macOS and a next version of Windows. They're going to have changes in them. And there's going to be new PCs and new Macs that come out. And those are going to have changes in them. That's 
how it's going to be. Absolutely 100%. There is no, like, you know, it's not going to stop changing anytime soon. So you have to kind of come to terms with it. The only unchanging thing is change itself. Exactly. (laughs) But we both hear this, um, this thing over and over again, and you could go to any software site, whether it's yours, mine, or any place, Reddit, whatever, people will say, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And that's a common complaint when they Mm -hmm. find something in a piece of software or the operating system changes. And they say, why did they change this? I liked how it worked before. It wasn't broke. Why did they fix it? And you know, I probably see that either on my own site or somewhere else on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that's a bad way to look at it because, first of all, saying that isn't going to change the fact that there was change. <laughs> um, the only thing you the only thing you have in your power is to remain with an old version of the operating system or try to nurse along an old piece of hardware to keep it going. Well, sometimes you don't even have that. Just ask anybody yeah. who's been trying to play Flash games for the last couple of months. Well, exactly. And or sometimes uh, what you have is that you have a new version of an operating system or an app that has a feature in it you want. But in order to get that feature, you have to update and that changes something that you didn't want changed. Right. Um so the whole, if it's isn't broke, don't fix the thing. I get all the time, and I, I cringe every time I read that. It's 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 a state. Obviously, it's a statement I hear all the time as well. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, a slightly different perspective on it that is really really um, hard for people to to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't actually put it this way when I respond to people. But if it if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Is kind of a what do I want to say? I'm trying. I'm really trying hard not to offend people who actually yeah. use this phrase, mm-hmm. but it's actually very self-centered because what it means yeah. is you don't think it's broken, but that doesn't mean it isn't broken, right? There may be other people who use it in ever so slightly different ways, or even major, different, major, different, majorly different ways that uh, do consider it very, very broken, or it's broken in some technical way underneath the hood that you can't see. Uh, so you don't know that it's not broken when it changes. Exactly. And sometimes um, you got to realize that, well, maybe on, in the case of a Mac, let's say you have a an iMac and somebody has a MacBook. They're different. There's a battery in one. There's different in, in various hardware ways. Maybe the thing you think you think wasn't broken was broken, but not for your particular computer. Or maybe it was broken for another reason. Like for instance, at one time when you went to open a file or save a file, all you had to deal with was files in your local hard drive. But then we got networking. We had various different ways to communicate, various different networking protocols and then cloud services. And at some point those save and open dialogues had to accommodate all of those things. So they had to change. Now, just because you're not using maybe a cloud service or a network service doesn't mean that other people aren't. And that's why that save dialogue now is different because it had to change to accommodate the fact that the world is different now. People expect there to be access to their files in the cloud or access to files on networks. Whereas maybe, you know, so many years ago, they didn't. So, yeah. One of the places that I hear pushback on some of this um, file open is a great, great example uh, because specifically in Microsoft Word or the Microsoft Office suite of applications, um, the file open and file save uh, dialogues have changed dramatically. And 
one of the ways that they've changed is that they are now not so subtly pushing an agenda. And that agenda is that, you know, you should really be saving your files in the cloud, mm. which of course people react to negatively uh, because they don't like being forced into somebody else's agenda, even though that there are very legitimate reasons that that actually is a really, really good thing um, for, you know, things like backup and, and all those and, and sharing and so forth. But the fact is, it's not a decision that an individual necessarily wants to make at that time. And they feel like they're being forced into it. The, uh, yeah. so yes. And I, uh, to be honest, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of still old school. I struggle with that specific dialogue every time I use it to actually, no, I don't want to save it in the cloud. I actually need to save it in, hmm. you know, in a folder on my machine. How do I do that? I almost feel like I have to relearn that every time. Uh, but relearn it, I do, because that's the way it is. I'll have to check that out because I have noticed in the Microsoft apps for Mac, it, it does seem a lot more pushy towards the Microsoft cloud right. than the Mac apps do. The Mac apps basically have all the options there, almost weighed equally. Like, where do you want it? You know, And right. they're right next to each other. Whereas I, I've gotten some uh, questions from users saying they don't know how to save the files locally anymore. Right. And I, sure enough, I look in the current version on Microsoft Word. And for me, it you know, it took me like a few seconds to say, oh, I, okay, I go over here and yeah, now I can save locally. But I could easily see how somebody else would be like, well, that option is gone. I only can save Word documents to the cloud. Right. And point. certainly for people who aren't willing to experiment who are just aren't comfortable yeah. experimenting or who just don't know what kind of, of, of things to look for, because that's where you and I, I think, bring a lot to the table is we know what to look for. Um, it's, it could be very easy to assume that, no, you can only save in OneDrive now. No, that's not the case at all. It's just the opt, it's what they optimized for. And they made it the easiest thing to do, which implies that everything else is a little bit harder. The other thing that I hear about change um, is that, uh, uh, and I, I didn't see this on your list, was, uh, I get this all the time, is that companies are changing for change's sake. Mm. In other words, they're just changing because they want to change things. There are some people who are absolutely convinced that uh, large companies like Apple and Microsoft and others um, are changing things literally. And I mean literally where literally means literally to piss off their customers, which of course makes no sense, right? But that's how the individuals are reacting. They see this as something they didn't ask for, they didn't want. Um, they don't see or any any kind of rationale behind whatever change they're facing. Um, and therefore, well, they're just changing to, you know, they're just changing for the sake of change. The only time I give that just a little bit of credence is that, uh, to be honest, consider the alternative. Consider yeah. an application that never, ever changes, um, which, you know, over what time frame, of course, is what people would be, would be interested in understanding. But the point there being that that application or that company would basically die. Mm -hmm. um, it's the, the reality of uh, the marketplace is that you must continue to change in order to survive. Now, it's not change for change's sake. You know, they're not just moving icons around because they want to move icons around. The change is always with some kind of agenda 
reason, whatever you want to call it. In the case of the file open dialogue, it's because they are prioritizing cloud usage because they honestly, truly believe that to be a better use, a better, a better and safer way for you to save your documents. Uh, whether or not you agree with them, that's totally debatable, but there's a rationale behind it. Uh, if they're doing things like changing the way things look or the whether things should be flat or 3D or whatever, again, this is all with a reason. They're not changing it for the fun of changing it. They'd rather yeah. spend their money somewhere else. They're actually changing it because they think this new whatever it is, is better in some way. Um, right. You may not agree, and and that's that's absolutely the case. A lot of people don't agree with what the change is, but there's always, always a reason for the change. Often the change is um, uh, com uh, competitive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now, granted, uh, when it comes to operating systems and office applications and so forth, uh, just exactly how competitive these companies actually have to be is is up for debate because when you think about it on the PC, Windows doesn't have a lot of real competition, uh, and on the Mac, of course, it's 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 whatever Mac is. But the point being, though, that many companies have to change their applications in response to what their competitors are doing. You know, my competitor has Feature X. Why don't you have Feature X? Well, dang it, now I guess we need to add Feature X, but that has implications on how the rest of the application works. You get the idea. Change happens for a number of reasons, but there's always a reason. It is not, uh, you know, whoever is at the helm of the company saying, oh, let's just stir the pot for the fun of it. Right, and and I think there is enough competition between, say, Mac OS and Windows being the predominant two desktop platforms. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they don't compete head to head. Like somebody is going to switch from one to the other on a whim, right? It's going to take a, a considerable amount of effort right. to get a new machine and, you know, switch. But they have to remain close enough to each other that if one of them adds some new feature, the other one has to eventually add it. If, if it's a successful feature, it may not be they need to add it next week. It may not even be next year, but they have to remain close enough. You know that they could they could be competitive. That switching from one to the other is not going to uh, happen because you're missing something that the other one has that is like so obvious now. Um, and you know the uh, uh, the whole idea that these companies change because you know they think something is better, like you said, is is exactly right. But we you also have to realize not only you may not agree with them but they've come to that decision, but also they're not always right that it's better. And because plenty of times, <laughs> plenty of times they go back, right? Because they can't, they're not perfect. And you know, no, no great plan survives the battle, that kind of deal. Right. The, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, these both Microsoft and Apple have huge research and development and, you know, developer, you know, uh, departments, they, they believe me, they think things through a lot before they make a change to the operating system or a major app or something. But, uh, you know, if they get that right, well, first of all, if they get that right 98% of the time when they change something, 90% of that is nobody's even going to notice. Like nobody will even question that. It's right. only like the top part that people say, oh, some people didn't like this and other people did. And occasionally they will get it wrong once millions of people are using it and maybe using it in unexpected ways or other issues come up, they will backtrack. Both Mac OS and Windows, I know, have had features they've added or changed, and then they have gone back to how it's worked before. Right. 
after admitting that it's uh, you know, it was better the old way or maybe a compromise, maybe not necessarily the old way, but maybe original way was way A, then they tried way B, that didn't work. So they tried C, that worked better. So they didn't go back to A, but they didn't stick with the original change because that you know, was a mess or whatever. Yeah, there are absolutely features that appeared in Windows for a while and then just disappeared. Yeah, They're same, same gone. With, and same what's, what's funny about it, though, is that both edges of that change <laughs> cause controversy, right? Yes. The people that, you know, see the feature arrive and try to use it or have problems with it, uh, you know, they complain that it's there and that it's not what they expected. But then when the feature is finally removed, well, then everybody who was happy with the feature, because there's always somebody who loves it, um, has the same complaint that, why did you remove this feature that I was relying on? <laughs> oh. I, I changed my world to rely on this feature, and now it's gone. Yeah, Mac used to have a feature called Dashboard that people just relentlessly tore apart all the time as being useless and stupid and all of this. And so they, they finally removed it. And uh, all those people that complained about it, of course, were satisfied. And then a ton of new people showed right. up <laughs> <laughs> that said, why did they get rid of this? There's actually two uh, big examples recently, well, uh, software and a hardware one on the Mac. One was that for years, Apple had this app called iTunes. Not to be confused with the service iTunes, but an actual app called iTunes. And on the Mac, it was like the Swiss Army knife of media stuff. You could <laughs> you could buy songs on it. You can rip your own CDs. You can arrange your music. You could play videos. You could do – there were podcasts. There were streaming radio stations. All this stuff. You could sync your – you used it to sync your iPhone and decide which like calendar events went to your iPhone. I mean, it, it did a million different things. And people relentlessly complained about how over, you know, overdeveloped this app was. And it did way too many things. And it was way too complex and confusing. And then Apple announced that they were going to split it up into apps called Music, TV, Podcasts, and Books, which already existed, but they moved audiobooks over there. And, you know, with four apps that made sense, they each did their own thing and then moved the iPhone syncing to the finder where it made more sense. And the people that were complaining that iTunes was this bloated thing were happy. Yes, this is what it should have been in the first place. Then they did the change. <laughs> and then you had a ton of people complaining, what happened to iTunes? I loved it. It did everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was like all well, these people, you know, it's they made a change because there was a huge popular demand for it. And it made sense. And all they got was pushback by people that didn't want the change, who, of course, didn't speak up before because they were happy with how things were. Right, the right. other thing, and this is a hardware thing, is that for years, Apple had something on all their MacBooks called MagSafe. Not to be confused with how they're using MagSafe now, but they basically, the ends of the charger cables were magnetic, and they would you know, magnetically attach to your the port on your Mac, which Such was great. Cool feature. It, yep. it was a cool feature. If you tripped over the cable... The, you know, the cable disengaged and your laptop stayed on the desk instead of falling to the floor. And it was neat and fun and, you know, to have it connect like that and all. Uh, the complaint was, why is Apple using proprietary non-standard connectors for their chargers? <laughs> because they were. If you wanted, you know, if you wanted a good charger, the only really reliable choice was to spend a ton of money, like 60, 70 bucks and right. buy one from Apple. Third parties had them. And they were notoriously bad because anybody could make them, right? They were simple chargers. So you had all of these knockoff chargers that you could buy for 20 or 30 bucks. They would die. They would die within like six months or a year. Maybe if you were lucky, you got one that lasted. The cable ends would, 
would fail. They wouldn't connect as well. They were horrible, right? So people complained, why doesn't Apple go to a standard for how their chargers connect? And then the world would be better. So then Apple announced, okay, USB-C is, has, is the standard now. It's, uh, there are chargers out there that use it. We're just going to go with that as the standard. And they switched to it and everybody complained that they got rid of MagSafe. <laughs> so you had people complaining before that they weren't standard. And then you had people complaining after that they're not MagSafe. Right. And right. so, you know, how does Apple win? They had complainers on both ends. Um, as, a, as a real funny aside, I have seen uh, uh, there are apparently a USB-C to MagSafe kind of adapter. I yes, I actually Which, did a video on those. Oh, did you? Okay, good. Yes. Uh, are they, are a while they any good? <laughs> are they any good? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, they're okay. I I reviewed the, at the time I basically said, well, I'm going to review a bunch of these. And right. I looked through like dozens of different ones and found out that most of them were copies of each other. In other words, right. they were coming out of the same factory. Probably. Yeah. Or just by different people. You know, cuz I don't know how many people know this, but you could do that. I could go onto sites like Alibaba and or and go and find a a like a mag whether it's a MagSafe adapter, a charger, a Bluetooth speaker, whatever it is, and I could actually place an order from the factory with changes. I want my logo to be on the side, right. or I want it to be look metallic or whatever. You can do stuff like that, and you can order, and you're basically getting the same product. So I narrowed it down to basically three different adapters at the time that all were close enough to each other that you know I covered ninety percent of the adapters out there. And I tested them out, and they they work pretty well. One of them, some of them, I, I would say, were not built for being flush with the uh, side of the machine. Mm -hmm. So the idea would be that when you want to actually disconnect the charger normally, you would unplug the entire thing, just like you would normally. Oh, I you see. Know, so it was really just a safety thing, not a, a safety, utility thing. Right? Exactly. Right. You would never put it into your bag or carry it around with the big, you know, magnetic thing sticking out the side. Right. There was a one that was trying to be as flush as it could, and I actually did leave that in and use that for uh, the basically the duration of the time that I owned the uh, the, the current MacBook or the MacBook Pro that I was using at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I I just I guess I didn't really find it uh, enough of an advantage that when I got my new MacBook Pro. I, I just started using the USB connector that came with it and I right. kind of haven't missed it. But yeah, so, you know, Apple's rumored that in the future they may go back to MagSafe, you know, and at least they can look back and say, hey, we tried the standard adapter. Right. And we got more complaints than when we were <laughs> using it, you know, so we, yeah, who knows? Uh, well, that actually raises a really interesting point across both companies because obviously um, uh, it, it, I'm often accused of being a Microsoft shill because oh, yeah. it, well, because I used to work there and because yeah. I talk about it all the time. Sure, me um, too. And I'm sure you get you know similar. Oh, yeah. You know, you're just an Apple fanboy. The bottom line is that no, we know that these companies are far, far from perfect. Right? They make mistakes. They make lots of mistakes. It's just that not everything you consider to be a failure um, didn't have a nece didn't necessarily have a reason behind it. The uh, when you were talking about uh, some of the software that has changed or may even been removed in the past. Um, I just look back at Microsoft's horrible, horrible uh, uh, progression or relationship with email applications. Uh, you know, the with each version of Windows, starting mm. like in XP to Vista to to seven to eight to ten, um, they've changed the mail application. They've changed. They've actually 
completely change the application that processes mail that comes with the operating system. Uh, and in each case, people have rightfully complained. Uh, not necessarily that, you know, this feature set is different than that feature set, which of course it always is, but just that there's a change. And this is one of those things where it's really, really hard to justify, uh, you know, why they might be doing this, whatever their reasons might be. For all we know, it's a corporate internal, you know, nobody wants to work on it anymore kind of change. Uh, but uh, the, the, the thing that you and I keep coming back to is that, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's you know the so you know you you have you have choices. You are ultimately the person in control of what you do. You don't control what Microsoft does. You don't control what Apple does. Um, you may have a sliver of input, but it is minuscule compared to uh, some of potentially who their real customers are, at least when it comes to Microsoft. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, the fact is you have you know, the ability to control your response to it. And when the mail application on Windows keeps changing, then maybe that's a sign that you shouldn't be using a mail application that comes with Windows, or you shouldn't assume that it's not going to change and maybe use something else. Yeah, they actually did the same. I mean, you know, on Mac, you know, they had for a while uh, an email app called Entourage that went through a couple of changes. Mm -hmm. And it was basically, for some reason, they decided that um, they would have Outlook on Windows and Entourage on Mac. And it was actually a good app. I used it for like a year. Mm -hmm. um, but then they, they changed it a bunch and then they decided they weren't going to have Entourage anymore. And then they decided they were going to have Outlook. And yeah, so probably while they were going through all those changes on the Windows side, I was also seeing reverberations of that sure. on the Mac side at the yep. same time. Yep. Um, yeah, they had a lot of, and to this day, Microsoft is still incredibly schizophrenic on uh, just what email is or is not. Um, there's an email program that comes with Windows 10. It's called Mail. Uh, they have an email service called Outlook.com. They have Outlook that is an email program unrelated to the email service that's also called Outlook. They just haven't necessarily, you know, gotten their act together still after all this time. One of the things that I think a lot of uh, people that you and I deal with uh, don't quite understand, at least about Microsoft, they don't know how much, how true it is for, for Apple, uh, is that honestly, you and I, the consumers, aren't really Microsoft's biggest customers. We're not the ones that no. if we if we cause a fuss, they're not going to listen to us first. Um, you know, we'll get the you know they're there pat on the head and and some kind of a response from their support people, but nothing will change. Mm. Uh, the real customers, the people that pay the big bucks, that actually probably have much more direct impact on what Windows is and will be are the corporations, the enterprise, the big people that buy hundreds of thousands of copies of Windows, or excuse me, license hundreds of thousands mm. of copies of Windows you know, at a, at a moment's notice. Those are the folks that Microsoft listens to. Those are the folks that you know, if they don't like the way something works, uh, Microsoft is much more likely to jump a little bit higher and a little bit quicker to make those people happy because that's where their bread and butter is coming from. Well, yeah, and, and even beyond that that there are these big customers out there i a lot of times the responses i see from people to change is they don't like something therefore they must be right mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and it's important to always realize whether it's software, it, whether it's Microsoft or Apple or anything like a car manufacturer, for instance, or politics, or po yeah. <laughs> you might be wrong. <laughs> you are not the only customer. Right. Right. I mean, I just saw now somebody was complaining, you know, I was reading a form, not mine, somebody else's form. And somebody said that they never use such a feature on, on Mac. And, you know, my response, and I do this silently in my head, and I never actually respond on the forums, is, oh, user X, you know, whatever their name is, user X says they never use this feature. Therefore, right. <laughs> not, it is, uh, you know, they have spoken. <laughs> they, they've declared that none of us must use this feature, and they must get rid of it. Um, and, you know, you have to think, look, there's a feature there. Or there's a, or more specifically, what we're talking about. There's, there's been a change. There are probably people that are a different, that are different than you. They're in a different situation that use their computers differently, whatever. That wanted this change, that asked for this change, that you know sent it in as feedback. That the the uh, idea was extracted from them during market research, whatever it was. That this is for, and the fact that it's something you don't like doesn't necessarily mean that that's a, a widely held opinion or, or a majority opinion right. of, of people. You have to kind of consider that and, and go with that. And, you know, it's like, uh, I, I, I don't know it, 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 to me, it, you have to kind of see the bigger picture. Like when I think of, um, when I think of it, I think, you know, Mac OS and windows or your, the dashboard of your new Toyota or you know, whatever it is, is that's not yours. You didn't make that. You didn't make Mac OS or Windows. You didn't design the new car that you just bought. That's owned by a company that came up with a design and this is their design for it, right? So, you know, you may think, well, I don't agree with the, you know, what they've got there, but there's no way you're going to agree with everything right. that a company des designs and, and you just kind of have to go with it. Uh, certainly, you know, thinking in terms of cars or, or whatever it is, even a new restaurant down the street that I go into, you know, you can walk into a new restaurant and say, boy, they really should serve nachos, <laughs> you know, and that's great that you think that that new restaurant should serve nachos as one of their appetizers, but they don't. The, the owner, the chef, the marketing people behind it, whoever decided they weren't going to have nachos on the menu. It's not your restaurant. It's not up to you whether they have nachos. You can decide you don't want to eat there anymore because of that, or you can just kind of accept that this is going to be a restaurant that serves nachos. I think that's where a lot of people do get frustrated, though, because they'll take a look at a feature in their, you know, in their Mac or Windows yeah. or whatever, and they'll say, "I don't like this. This is getting in my way. Whatever. It is what it is." what are your choices? And people feel hamstrung because while there probably is another restaurant down the street that actually does serve nachos, mm -hmm. it's really, really hard for people to change, again, change to yeah. a different operating system, a different a different uh, computer. Um, you know, on the PC side, we hear Linux being thrown out as, a, um, as an alternative all the time from the folks that really love Linux. And I have to admit, if I weren't doing what I was doing, for a, for a day job, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd probably be living in Linux as well because it's it's like geeky paradise for people like me. Yeah. But um, but the fact is, it too is a change and people just don't have as many options when it comes to the technology that's in front of them. Even the car, 
right? Even the car, if there's something about your Toyota's user interface, which they now have is a user interface that you don't like, what are your options, right? Your option is to buy a completely different car. So if you like 95% of the Toyota that you're looking at, but you hate this user interface, what are you going to do? Right. You're, exactly. it, ultimately, it all comes down to a choice on your part of how important something is and whether or not you can, quote unquote, live with it um, or if there are alternatives. I mean, I'll admit, I mean, I, I love, for example, I love my Tesla, but there are parts of its user interface and it is way more user interfacey than just about any other car on the road these days um, that that honestly, yeah, I keep hoping that they'll change at some point and Maybe it's a priority, maybe it's not, but that's that's the reality of the situation. Does that mean I'm not going to drive my my car? Of course not. It just <laughs> means that I'm not going to use that particular feature, or I'll you know just have to learn to live with it being the way it is. Yeah, exactly. And and that kind of goes into like you know what I, what I try to do with change myself is it's all about attitude. I think uh, because we you know the change. Nothing is going to, the change is still going to happen whether or not, you know, how you feel about it, right? So as you brought up before, it's kind of like you have to, you know, you can control how you feel about this. Um, My approach uh, and the one that I found turns out much better for me as somebody uses computers, who teaches people how to use computers and all that, is to take the opposite approach that a lot of people do. I try to embrace change to really to, to love change, to get excited when I hear about new features or changes to the operating system, not to think about, oh no, what do they change now? You know, what's going to be different, Is it, <laughs> but actually to feel, you know, like I, I travel because tra- before in the before times and hopefully yes. soon again, <laughs> I travel because it's different. I get to experience different things, right? You know, things around the world are different and I like that excitement. And I try to see that in even mundane things like maybe operating system changes right. and try to feel like this is an adventure. Apple just came out with it. You know, if Apple comes out with a new version of the operating system, like they come out, you know, in the summer, they come out with the beta of the new operating system and I'll load that onto a computer and I'll kind of feel like, okay, adventure time. You know, <laughs> what, I mean, what's new, what can I play with? How can I, what else can I find in here? You know, this is, this is exciting. This is interesting. This is, you know, this stimulates my mind. And and try to take that positive attitude towards change, um, and even, it is just an attitude, right? I'm still experiencing the same changes as everybody. If there was something that I did before that now is harder to do because of things that are changed, it's still going to be harder for me to do it. But if I have the attitude that it's different and exciting now, right? Then I find that uh, well, not only don't I mind the change, but I actually enjoy the change. And, um, you know, I think people experience it, you know, we've used the car idea, you know, a bunch of times. I think people are a little more used to experiencing that with a new car. You get a new car, maybe it's the same model and the same manufacturer, but it's 10 years newer than your old one. But you get it and sure, things are a little different and you might not like this and that, but you also feel excited 
Right. Oh, look, the, 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 the there's zones now for the air conditioning. Uh, the, there's <laughs> heated rear seats, right? You know, the oh, the screen does this. You, you know, you get excited about these little changes. My wife's most recent new car. Uh, she had yeah. a Toyota Highlander and she got a Toyota Highlander. Yeah, perfect. Um, she, she got the new version specifically because of the new features and functionality related to security mm-hmm. um, and safety. And it makes total sense. Now, I do want to at least show a little sympathy for folks who are dealing with this, you know, boots on yes. the ground. Sure, let's because do it. it's your job and my job is to be excited about this. One of the <laughs> reasons we do what we do is because we love this stuff. It's a requ- it's a job requirement. It is we a job requirement and more to the point, it's part of the job, right? We look yeah. at what the changes are and and you know, we might say, "Hey, what did they change this time?" We also might say, "Well, what are people going to complain about this time?" right? I need to be prepared. Yeah. Um, but the person who's trying to get their job done, right? The guy who's actually using his computer for work. And now all of a sudden he has to deal with this unexpected, unanticipated, and honestly unwanted change is getting in the way of him getting his job done. And I can totally understand that frustration that, you know, there are, there are ways that companies like Microsoft or wherever this is being deployed could probably handle the change a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is most change that shows up on our desktops, on our computers, or even on our phones for that matter, are completely unexpected. They're just, you know, all of a sudden overnight, like in the Windows case, you hear it all the time, my machine rebooted overnight and now all of a sudden X, right? Which was X was unexpected and it was is it's dis, it's discombobulating it's disconcerting um, and it actually gets in the way of people trying to do whatever it is they're trying to do I totally understand that and while it's 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 a big thing in the business world where people are actually relying on their technology to get a job done um, it's just as applicable honestly at home whenever you're doing something uh, if you use your computer with any regularity when it changes suddenly um, that all of a sudden you're faced with this unexpected need to spend some time figuring out, well, okay, how do I save a file this time? Or how do I do this that time? Um, And I totally get that. I really do. Um, The fact is though, and this goes back to more more your point, regardless of, of when it shows up or how it shows up or what it is, it is. It simply mm. is what it is. It is out of our control. What is in our control is our response to it. Um, you don't have to be nutcases like us to get really excited about it. But at least I think one of the best ways you can cope with change is to simply accept it, embrace the change, know that it's coming. Um, you know, yeah, sure, be frustrated. One of one of my closest friends. Um, uh, there was something, I forget what it was. Uh, it's what, you know, close friends in our circle usually means someone whom you're willing to do hands-on tech support with. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know what, here's, here's your new X, you know, this, and this is going to change. And, and, you know, they would respond to me saying, I get it. I know it. I'm going to be grumpy as heck for 24 hours, but after that, I'm going to love it. <laughs> right. It's just that that's the approach that this person has to when things change. And that's, that's not great. Bad. That's an, that's, that's, that's not a bad way to do it at all. One of the things that I have encountered, and you'll have to tell me if this is the case for you as well. Mm-hmm. So there are people who absolutely hate change no matter what. 
That's their mm -hmm. first reaction to any change. It's just complete dismissal, frustration, whatever. There are people who are more along the lines of what my friend is like, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to like it for a while, but I'm going to get used to it and it'll be fine. And then of course there's people like us who just suck it up. Mm -hmm. The, um, my experience is that everything else being equal, the people who hate change, who really, really push back on just about any change, they're the people that actually have more problems in general with technology, mm -hmm. often completely unrelated to anything changing. It's just that their, their approach to technology is such that they just have more problems being resistant to change is almost a problem magnet. Uh, and like I said, the, the problems that they experience aren't necessarily related to the change. You know, often they're very, just completely random things. But in my experience, it's just that, okay, that attitude about change, it's about more than change. There's something more behind it. And if you can get past that, if you can get to a point where you can at least accept that change is inevitable and choose how you respond to it, by and large, you will probably have a better overall relationship with your technology uh, beyond all of the different changes. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm curious if you've seen or, or experienced anything like that at all with your uh, your yeah. cohort. I haven't. Uh, you know, I I haven't thought about it that way, but it's probably true. Um, I mean, I think just having that attitude, a, a, a good attitude towards technology, you know is probably the same as having a good attitude towards change since technology changes. It's almost kind of built into the definition of the word technology, uh, you know, change. Um, and yeah, I think the idea of uh, being like problem magnets where you're attracting more problems, but also I think it might be that you might not have any more problems than anybody else. It's just that other people let problems, uh, they solve the problems and move on quickly. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what, somebody who you could, you could say, it's kind of like trying to measure all the little straight lines in a circle, like, you know, with calculus, you know, a circle is basically <laughs> a bunch of tiny little straight lines that are so, you know, close together that it looks like a perfect circle. Right. So it, it's, it, if you, if you constantly see a problem and solve a problem and you do that all day in minutia, it appears that you have no problems at all. I mean, that's all you're, uh, that's in a way, that's what software, you know, uh, the purest, true. the purest use for a computer you could say is software development is programming. That's like the purest thing when you're actually coding what is going on instead of actually using an app and software programming is nothing but solving problems constantly. Every piece of code you write is you, there's a problem. I'm going to write this piece of code and I've solved that. You right. know, and then the, 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 and you're just doing that all day. So somebody who uses uh, apps may solve, you know, a certain amount of, you know, a dozen pr problems in a day. And someone who's writing software may solve uh, 10,000 problems in that one day right. without thinking about it. The problems are so tiny that you could, at the end of the day, say, did you solve any problems today? Nope, I just programmed all day. Well, so then you actually <laughs> solved like 10,000 tiny problems. Right. And it's kind of the same thing if you... Get good at uh, if you look at everything as a little problem and you're and you're solving it. Or I, I shouldn't say look at it like that because you're not looking at it. You're kind of like glossing over it. You're just getting things done. You're doing work. Right. Uh, you could easily experience the same day somebody else did on a computer, but they see it as I ran into a bunch of problems I had to solve, and the other person did exactly the same thing and said, 
I had no problems at all. I just got my work done. Yep. 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 That's a great way of looking at it. I, mm. So it also, it all also from our perspective, and I know that this is true. Uh, we also tend to hear more from the people that are having problems yes. that they're not solving. And we themselves. seek it out too. I, I, cause I look at forums, believe me, when I see somebody post on like Reddit or somewhere, uh-huh. Uh, you know, something I know is a complaint. I, I, for some reason, I'm compelled to click on it, even though I know the comments, you know, what they're going to say, <laughs> people saying, why did they make this change or whatever, you know, but I'm curious to see like how many people complain, how they complain, sure. how many people jump to the defense of like, well, of course they had to make this change because of whatever. Right. But yeah. I actually learned a lot from many of the complaints and many of the responses to complaints, because again, we all live in our own world. We all use our computers the way we use our computers, and that's necessarily different than somebody the way somebody else is somebody else uses their computers. So yes. when you see somebody complaining about something, it's often the case of, oh, you know, I never really thought about it that way, or gosh, why are they doing that? Oh, or it's the same yes. thing in the responses, right? The comments on many of those complaints is, you know, well, why don't you try this or why don't you do that? And and I often will come across those and say, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. I would never do it that way, but I could see why somebody would. Right. I get a lot of good topics for my videos, just seeing the questions people ask, seeing the problems that they have, right. and then and then you know addressing them uh, in, a, in a video or at least explaining how this feature works. Because once you understand, then sometimes, you know, I may not be answering the question. I may actually be telling them why they shouldn't even have that problem in the first place, right. because, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So anyway, yeah, it, it's, they, uh, they say that that's one of the, uh, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's a, uh, uh, PR type thing or if it's a negotiation thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, you know, it's almost like, that's an interesting question. Here's the question you really want, you know, exactly. <laughs> so. Cool. All righty. Well, this was a good topic. It turned out really well. I'm very, yes. very, very interesting. I'll be interesting to see what kind of comments uh, people have on their relationship with change. I'm sure people don't like the fact that we have changed and now talk about it, uh, like sometimes talk about a big topic instead of small news items. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So what, uh, um, as far as other things going on, have you found anything recently that you thought was so, really cool you want to share? There was there was one, um, actually a couple of weeks ago, and it's since grown a little bit. It just freaked me out when I saw it. So uh, basically, uh, there's an article that I grabbed from uh, Morning Brew, which is actually a newsletter, but they actually have their uh, newsletter archived online. Mm-hmm. And the title is Tom Cruise Deepfakes Go Viral on TikTok. And I was hearing about this, and I listened to it about it. Uh, about how it was done on a couple of podcasts. Deep fakes have concerned me for a while. Um, I do think that they are uh, a bit of technology for which uh, we just haven't seen the most evil use yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that It's one of those technologies that I think can really be misused, uh, specifically in, when it comes to uh, politics or other kinds of, of you know, large, uh, trying to influence large numbers of people. This, on the other hand, was more fun. This was, as it turns out, an actor who is a professional Tom Cruise impersonator. And so he had a lot of the nuances, the movements, the vocal tics, the, the physical tics that really mimic Tom Cruise very well. And what they did then is they deep faked Tom Cruise on top of him. So he already kind of looks mm-hmm. and moves like Tom Cruise. And then all of a sudden, 
he just looks exactly like Tom Cruise and he acts exactly like Tom Cruise. Uh, and it's very, very convincing. It is a very, very interesting uh, uh, set of videos. Uh, like I said, we'll have the links, of course, in the show notes. The, um, the, the, that ended up growing a little bit. As it turns out, I think it's myheritage.com has technology that you can like upload a photo, a static photo of an old relative or a famous person or whatever, and then they will run some AI on it that then turns it into a very, very short video clip of the face just looking around. It looks very natural, but they're looking yeah, from side that, to yeah. side. They're smiling a little bit. They're doing all sorts of very interesting things, but they just bring that still photo of a long dead relative, kind of, sort of. To life. It's actually, depending on, on your point of view, it's actually really, really cool, which of course is where I land, um, or it's really, really creepy. Now, yeah. take those two things and combine them. And now all of a sudden, you've got this deep fake technology, uh, another article from The Verge this time, uh, deep face technology, a singing, talking video portrait from a single image. So for example, um, I managed to listen and watch Albert Einstein deliver some of his actual own words. I have seen, um, let's see, I think it was Adolf Hitler singing uh, some random song with uh, Joseph Stalin. They had both of them in frame um, hmm. and they were singing a song together, which is just the weirdest thing, but it's like the next progression of those sure. two technologies merged into one. It was very, very, very bizarre. And like I said, the part that concerns me is not that these aren't detectable today. They are. It's obvious um, that, you know, these are, these are deep fakes of various sorts, but, uh, at some point, the technology is only going to improve. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult for the average person uh, to uh, to be able to detect the difference between, oh, my God, that politician did what? Right. Well, I actually have a slightly different take because you've been talking about deep fakes here and there <laughs> for a while. And I've been skeptical that deep fakes of politicians and celebrities would actually be a problem. But something occurred to me in the last couple of days that I think is an even a bigger problem for deepfakes. And that's their ability to not use famous people, but regular people. Right. And, and this was actually, this occurred to me when I saw a headline in The Onion of all places. <laughs> the headline, <laughs> we'll link to the story, but the, the headline is AI researcher warns deepfake videos of him cheating on his wife will become more common. <laughs> and again, you can obviously see the humor right there in the in the headline. But then it occurred to me, this is where it's a problem because if it's somebody like, say, a former president, and it's a deep fake thing, and you know, people can go and say, nope, that's raw. You know, that that never happened. That's deep fake. That's you know, there'll be tons of people who would spend money looking at it, examining the video, trying to confirm it, and say this is fake. But what if it happens to an individual? Right. What happens if, like, say, security camera footage, which is already pretty grainy and you know crappy, uh, you know, seems to show somebody performing a crime that they didn't perform, you know, right. commit? How do you prove those? Because you know the the news media is not going to take interest in that. the The AI research community is not going to take interest in that. It's you know you could find yourself in a you know township. 
uh, court case, civil court case or something where deep fake video is being used. And that could be very dangerous right there. So anyway, well, this article I, made me think of that. As I understand it, and to be clear, I mean, it's, it's sad that we have to say this. The Onion is mm. satire, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's be clear about that. However, um, I have also heard of similar scenarios where uh, uh, individuals are being deep faked onto uh, porn videos, and then that yes. is being used as blackmail material, uh, whether they're threatening a spouse or threatening publication or whatever. Um, it's just being used in nefarious ways. And of course, it's not going to be the highest quality, you know, the the, the most um, you know, undetectable deep fake. It just needs to meet a bar, right? Is it quote unquote believable enough or is it embarrassing enough? And the answer is that yeah, it might be. That's that's well, or right just now. I mean, it is a is a you know a a judge in somewhere in the you know in the middle of Nebraska right. who has shown here's evidence of this person robbing a Seven Eleven. Yes, yeah. and you know throw them throw them in jail. You know, right. and and it's like, but the the problem is here is that these deep fakes are easy to do, yes. so. It would be very easy for, say, a rival to that person, you know, to to go and create one of these, and get their enemy thrown into jail for yep. a crime they didn't commit. Yep. Um, and it, they may, you know. Anyway, so I, um, oh, you had something else too that you wanted to. Oh yeah, this was just a quick throwaway. I ran across this one. It's notificationsounds.com. It is um, a site that has just a bunch of um, completely free, completely, uh, uh, you know. Uh, what would it be? Public domain, I guess, would be the way to put it. Yeah. Uh, wave file sounds uh, for just notification sounds, literally what it's called. And if you're looking to, you know, have some interesting different sounds rather than the stock ones that come with your phone or your PC, it turns out to be a pretty nifty little resource for ringtones and bleeps and blurps and whoever knows, you know, whatever else. And uh, I'll, I'll add a self-promotional link to the fact that I've also got a collection that I've had for a while. No, I didn't free- know that. Free for anybody to use uh, ringtone. They were originally ringtones, but of course they could be used for anything that you want. They're free to download and and have on your iPhone or Android phone or. Well, cool. You know, I, I did not intend to post competition. Oh but. no, it's it, <laughs> I, they're available for free, so it's not like you know. Um, yeah. The uh, I wanted to. Uh, I saw a movie a few weeks ago uh, on HBO. Uh, it was a documentary called Fake Famous. Did you see this or did you hear I did about not. This? I've, in fact, I've not even heard of it, I don't think. So it's, you know, it's a, a, an HBO documentary. And basically, uh, it, it looks at uh, Instagram in particular, but just the idea of becoming social media famous and yeah. an influencer. Yes. And they actually um, take three people that wanted to become famous, uh, but weren't yet. And this, uh, you know, the documentary filmmaker had a budget and basically said, I will take the three of you on as clients and try to make you famous. Um, and we'll do a documentary of the progression of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting. They, the Instagram was the main platform. I, I suspect if the movie was made now, instead of six months or a year ago, whenever it was that it would be TikTok more than right. Instagram, but um, it, you know, did some things, it, they did some things like buying fake followers and fake likes mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, but also dealing with, you know, what happens when, you know, what's, what are the things that you don't know about when you do this? The interesting thing was, is that, uh, you know, it's a documentary, so there's not really spoilers here. I mean, t- two of them end up actually not making it, but mm-hmm. dropping out because of the distasteful nature of some of the things that 
was involved to actually become famous. Um, and one of them actually did become fairly successful. Um, and then you find out about just weird things, events, you know, like the way companies use these influencers, mm -hmm. have special events, give special, you know, send, you know, the one that became uh, successful. I mean, was just getting tons of free stuff, right? Just in the hopes that, you know, she'd mention, you know, stuff in her, in her videos. And, and there were even, there was even a kind of a junket trip kind of thing where they piled all of these influencers onto a bus and, and drove them around and, and did different photo shoots with different products. And it was, it was not as glamorous, like on the, seeing it from the documentary style was not as glamorous as what you would have seen if you saw the results of like the stuff right. that they posted. Anyway, it's a fascinating movie. If you've ever been interested in how do people get to be, um, these influencers and famous people and what their lives are kind of like, what that's like as a profession, it's worth a watch on HBO. I was, cool. I was fascinated by it. I learned a lot and I thought I knew a lot before. Cool. Yeah, you're right. It's funny there. I've, I've gotten kind of sort of sucked into the, the TikTok vortex a little bit um, just because there's some, some really funny, positive things going oh, on. Oh yeah. There, I'm but... deep in the, in the TikTok. Are you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very, it's a very, I got to say, it's a very different experience. It is. For yeah. everybody because it's it, the, al their algorithm is probably the most fascinating that I've, I've ever experienced because yep. probably what you see and what I see are different and there are things that, you know, other people watch that there's probably no overlap, you know, between what I see and some other people see on TikTok. The thing that, that I find very interesting about at least what TikTok cho chooses to show to me mm -hmm. is that where uh, Facebook and um, Twitter specifically can often get into the complainy, dark, everything is bad kind of yes. stuff. When it's, you know, and legitimately so with a respect to a lot of current events. Um, TikTok just sort of seems to be a place of happy, a, th a place of, of good yes. things. That, that, for you and me, yes. I suspect that's not true for everyone. Because I, I understand. Hear, yeah. I hear about other things, but I think that you were like me and it probably skipped past a lot of those complaining videos, probably skipped past anything political, even stuff we agree with. And TikTokers learn that. And yeah. I see absolutely no political content on TikTok now because it's learned that that's not what I want to watch. Right. I want to watch fun stuff. I want to watch historical facts. Right. I want to watch people building out their vans to live in for some reason. I don't know, but <laughs> I, you know, cause it's fat, it's fascinating. I don't want to do it, but it's, but it's fascinating. I, I apparently like cosplayers. That's what <laughs> I've got a few, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit in there. I definitely like, uh, you know, geeky stuff and, uh, people with Scottish accents. Apparently I like those. Yep, so, yep, but you know what? <laughs> it's not, it's weird, but it's not wrong. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's does a good job. So anyway, it's, 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 it's strange. It's hard to recommend TikTok to others because their experience, your experience may be very different. Your mileage may, yes. your mileage will anyway. vary. Let's just put it, be blunt about it. Anyway. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think that was a good, a good yep. wrap up for a good, good week. Wrap up. Yep. The show notes for this week are out at tehpodcast.com slash teh130. If you've got a comment or a question, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at the TEH podcast, or you can always leave a comment in the show notes page. As always, thanks for listening, and we will be here again next week or maybe the week thereafter. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.